Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message today is titled, What Was or What Can Be? For those who are familiar with the Christian Life Institute, our model of spiritual formation is built on the truth of God's Word and who God proclaims to be based upon His Word with an emphasis on Pauline theology. You may recall from Scripture that Paul had a past prior to his moment of salvation on the road to Damascus in his life previously as Saul. Every human who has accepted Jesus Christ as his or her personal Lord and Savior has a life prior to Christ. For some of us, our pre-Christ life may be filled with many years and for some a few years. The commonality? We all have ways in which we lived prior to our salvation, some more damaging and impactful than others, some less so. Let's take a look at Paul's past from Philippians. And to do so, let's read the entire third chapter of the book of Philippians, starting in verse 2. And I quote, Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, 
and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. For those not familiar with Paul's letters, one of his main themes is Christ is sufficient. Christ alone is our way, our truth, our righteousness. Paul in many of his letters, including Philippians, is reminding the church and you and I today that the work of Christ on the cross was and is complete. The Judaizers of Paul's day were actively pursuing those who had professed Christ with the message that Christ was not enough and that they needed to be circumcised and maintain dietary mandates of the law, among other law-based restrictions. Paul's message from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and I quote, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul begins chapter 3 by reminding the church in Philippi that those who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh are the circumcision. And he presents his CV, his resume, to demonstrate that if anyone has reason for confidence, if anyone has reason to boast, if anyone wants to have what we at CLI refer to as a credential accomplishment throwdown, Paul will emerge victorious because of who he was as Saul, not because of who he is in Christ. Let's reread his resume. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Let's explore each one circumcised on the eighth day. Physical circumcision served to identify someone with the Jewish nation and had value for purposes of ministry, but it had no value in commending someone to God. The legal requirement ordained by God is clearly stated in Genesis 17:12, and I quote, He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner, who is not of your offspring. Spiritual circumcision was a matter of the heart. Let's read Colossians 2.11, and I quote, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Of the people of Israel, Paul was one of the chosen, God's children who he led in the wilderness, cared for, protected, and yes, allowed them to face the consequences of their own willful choices, but God. He never forsake them. He never abandoned them. In fact, he promised throughout the prophets to bring them back unto himself. Let us remind ourselves of one of the many promises God has made to all of his children, Jew or Gentile. Nothing can separate you from his love, not even your choices. Hence we stray back to Paul rather Saul. Of the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin was also significant. 
They were known for their courage, which is reflected in the blessing of Jacob in Genesis 49:27. They were the smallest of all tribes, yet played a vital role in the history of Israel, especially during the reign of Saul. In the Genesis narrative, Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob, by his wife Rachel, who died while giving birth to him, as you may recall, when Joseph was in Egypt and his brothers came for food, and Joseph made a feast, he gave Benjamin a double portion. Benjamin was most precious to Joseph's father, Jacob. Another fact, Esther is also from the tribe of Benjamin. We also read in Revelation 7-8 that 12,000 people from the tribe of Benjamin will receive a seal from the Holy Spirit, which will protect them from the effects of the plagues and judgments. And in case you want more, Jerusalem was built on land from the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. This phrase is for emphasis. It's an idiomatic superlative in Hebrew, Greek, and English. It's similar to the phrase, the best of the best. In other words, Paul was stating he is not only a Hebrew, a Jew, he is the top of the top, committed to all things and purposes Hebrew. Paul, as Saul, could not be outdone. If I may take wordsmithing liberty with his Hebrewness. As to the law, a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the great teachers of Israel. They were zealous for the Torah of Israel and zealous to fight against any incursions against the temple. The Pharisees were committed, dedicated to defending the purity of Israel and the Mosaic law at all cost. The Pharisees were noted for their love for the law, strict interpretation of it, and ethical consistency. Paul, or Saul, obviously had excelled in all three, as we read in Acts 22.3 and 26.5. In our context, Paul is making the point that in his pre-salvific life as Saul, he too was passionate about extending Jewish practices into life outside the temple, which is now the battle he is fighting as a Christ follower to not impose legalistic rituals and practices on believers. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, Paul had persecuted the church. This had been a matter of zeal. In the first century, Jewish men often measured their commitment to God and the nation by how they opposed foreign religion and rule. Since Paul had persecuted the church as Saul, he had put into action his love for the nation and the law and was reminding those in Philippi that he understood zeal, passion, and commitment. But God, the Judaizers' focus was skewed. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul had attained the righteousness of the law. Paul is not saying that he had lived perfectly in accordance with the law, as no one could keep the law perfectly, hence the need for a savior. In this context, he boasted of externally verifiable qualities that demonstrated the religious standing he had before he became a Christ follower. As we read in verse 7 of Philippians 3, and I quote, But whatever gain I had... I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He considered his gains as loss. The perfect tense form of considered, hegemae, suggests a completed evaluation with present effects. He came to realize that they were loss, his fleshly, worldly status and accomplishments, and he continued to affirm that decision. Paul meant that this was a proper appraisal and a good decision. What are your beliefs, listener? towards your worldly accomplishments, status, and possessions. Do not misunderstand. God allows us to cultivate, acquire, use our skills, attributes, credentials, resources, 
The question for all of us is, has God directed the acquisition? And is the acquisition in obedience and service to his kingdom? Do not misunderstand again. This does not mean you cannot have stuff, acquire stuff, use stuff, acquire credibility and resources through his leading guidance and direction. It simply means, as Paul reminds us, we do not count it gain. We do not credit ourselves. We recognize and acknowledge from James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And we hold all things lightly, as all belong to Christ. So how can we summarize Paul's CV resume? If I have all of the credentials that provide the credibility to say it's not the law, it's Christ. It is not circumcision of the foreskin, it is circumcision of the heart. My, Paul, zeal, my commitment, my dedication, my passion has been transferred from the law to the person of Jesus Christ through the revealing, transforming power of the Holy Spirit. We ask you, listener, where is your zeal, your passion, your commitment? To whom or what is it attached? Paul, in what we refer to at CLI as the Philippians throwdown, was reminding his audience that he had the credentials and the credibility to have the conversation. Where is your focus? Where is your allegiance? It is to Christ and him alone. Paul, or Saul in his pre-salvific life, approved the execution of Stephen, as we read in Acts 7.54 to 8.1, condoned by the Pharisees and the allegiance to the Mosaic Law and the Abrahamic Covenant, and further in Acts 8, 3, we read, and I quote, Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now back to Philippians 3, 7 through 12, and I quote, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul held up his CV and said, It's dung, as we read in some translations, worthless, of no value, of no avail, of no significance, in light of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. It is not the law is his point. You may say, I know. Do you? Has legalism, tradition, the ways of man, the world, the culture, not seeped into your way of seeing the church? your relationship with Christ, your spiritual journey? Richard Lovelace in his book, Dynamics of Spiritual Life, states, and I quote, 
We must be persuaded to stop leaning on the culture and the law and lean fully on Jesus Christ in every phase of their lifestyle, our lifestyle. He states as well, the ability to follow Christ into constructive change is severely limited by bondage to cultural supports for, my insertion of the word, spiritual insecurity. Paul continues in verse 13, and I quote, Brothers, sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul exhorts us to make a choice to leave the past in the past, to lay down and leave behind what has been our previous way, our previous way of being, doing, thinking. Our past does not need to continue to define nor rule you. Let me repeat, your past does not need to continue to define nor rule you. We may not forget. Paul is not advocating a memory wipe from a sci-fi movie. He is exhorting us to stop attaching, holding on to, dragging forward, going back to, ruminating on things of the past, what lies behind. We as Christ's followers must choose to place our eyes forward, learn to be present in the moment, learn to wait on God, listen for His still, small voice, choose to walk through and not avoid, circumvent, sabotage, repress, and a myriad of other ineffective techniques and coping mechanisms that hold us hostage to the past and prevent us from leaning into pressing onward. We need to remind ourselves, as he says in verse 16, to hold true to what we have attained. We have attained redemption in Christ. We have attained righteousness in Christ. We have attained freedom in Christ. We have attained a way forward that does not need to be dictated, governed, ruled by, or in bondage to our ways, choices, decisions of the past. You do not have to nor need to make the same mistakes. You do not have to stay nor need to stay stuck in the same cognitive ruts. You do not have to nor need to stay stuck in the entrenched, conditioned ways of the flesh and your previous actions or decisions or ways of being. We can, as Paul continues in verse 17, join in imitating Paul, who I will add is imitating Christ, and keep our eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, Paul, and those following after Christ, I will add. Paul's passion continues in the next verses, beginning in verses 18 and 19, and I quote, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. The exhortation cannot be clearer and delivered with grief-filled tears. That Paul's beloved and Christ's beloved children, as Paul claimed many of his disciples and those he exhorted to be his children. Galatians 4.19 is a prime example as we read, and I quote, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. 
are following after the lusts of their flesh, their belly, their shame, earthly things. Here comes an ouch. Where is your mindset? Is it attached to, caught up in, pursuing those things of the world of the flesh? Or is it focused on the truth of Christ according to the truth of God's word and recognizing as Paul continues in verse 20 that our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Christ broke Saul's cycle and transformed him into Paul. Christ is in the cycle-breaking business, and he is in the freedom business. Paul's message throughout his epistle is one of intentional reshaping through the power of choice brought about by the equipping power of the Holy Spirit. You do not have to be what was. You can begin to be in this moment what Christ desires through the power of his transforming work. But God, look up into the love-filled eyes of Christ who is calling you unto himself. He wants you to be free. He wants to free you. He wants you to be healed. He wants to heal you. He wants you to know him, desire him, pursue him, as he has never stopped and will never stop pursuing you. Matthew eighteen twelve makes it clear, and I quote, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that is lost? You matter to your Savior more than you can even imagine. It's not a feeling, it's a fact. In 1 John 3, 1, we read, and I quote, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So, what can be? We know we do not need to continue to perpetuate the destructive, dysfunction, de deleterious ways of our flesh, the world, our previous mistakes, choices, ways of being, doing, or thinking. Saul now, Paul, is a clear example. And please do not say, that was Paul. He's special. You are special. We are all special. We all, as those who have professed faith in Christ, have access to the same Holy Spirit as he never changes and is able and willing to transform us, you, as he transformed Paul. So what can be? Let's read 2 Corinthians five fourteen through 19 with an emphasis on verse 17, and I quote, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. 
and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Did you hear verse 17, which states, and I quote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. God has made you new. Appropriate your newness. The old has passed away. Stand firm in your reconciliation. Your sin has been forgiven. Put into practice Psalm 100 verse 3 and I quote, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know God from the truth of his word. Digest and appropriate his word as we encourage at CLI through the process of infusion. Read the word, the Bible, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. You don't need to understand it all, figure it all out, sort it all out. At first, just infuse for the purpose of knowing personally and intimately your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Put into practice Ephesians 5.11 and I quote, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Make spirit-guided wise decisions based on the truth of God's word. Be willing to turn from the enculturation and ways of the world and the culture. While we could continue our list as there are so many exhortive, encouraging scriptures, let me close with Galatians 5. As we read, please listen for the words freedom and spirit. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. 
I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If you want a life application Bible study on one of our favorite books of the Bible, Galatians, we have one available in the store at ChristianLifeInstitute.com. As we close, let us choose to put into practice the gift of freedom that allows us to choose to walk in the Spirit and not the flesh. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8, to truly, deeply, intimately, and personally want Christ to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send us emails to admin at christianlifeinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. Please check out all our resources in our shop at christianlifeinstitute.com. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang, and I thank you so much for joining us.